Today we're going to be looking at Psalm 113 and 114. Um, Psalm 113 is known as, as one of the Hallelujah Psalms. And um, we're going to see as, as we go through it that this, the psalmist that penned this psalm rejoiced in praising the Lord, as many of you who came up here. Um, you're going to see in reading this psalm just the excitement and the awe of, of this writer who wrote this psalm in our Lord. Psalm 114, well, Psalm 114, Spurgeon called the Psalm of Exodus. He, he described it as, a, as true poetry um, that had reached its climax, meaning there was nothing better. And when we go through it, um, you're going to see that's what it is. It's, it's poetic. It's an inspired poem. And it's pretty cool, you know, in studying these psalms, I found that the Psalm 113 through 118 form what's known as the Hallel uh, uh, Psalms, which are psalms that are sung uh, during the great festivals, such as Pentecost, uh, Passover, uh, Tabernacles, and other festivals. In fact, at Passover which we all know is a celebration um, when the angel of the Lord passed over the Jews, over the Israelites, as he moved through Egypt, destroying the firstborn of the Egyptians uh, and also the firstborn of all their animals. Um, we know that that was the last of the ten plagues, right? It was really the one that... Um, that broke the, the, the camel's back. Uh, the, the last straw, which really caused Pharaoh, who was relenting, to release the Israelites from captivity. Well, I read that to this day, to this day, before the Jews eat the, the celebratory um, meal of Passover, that they all stand up and they recite Psalm 113 and 114, which is the Psalms that we're going to read today. So I had an idea. <laughs> Bear with me, okay? I figured we would all stand during the Psalms today, and then in the end, you could all invite me to dinner. <laughs> what do you say? I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding about standing up. The, the, the dinner that's between you and the Lord. But, you know, as I was saying, I, I just thought it was kind of cool that to this day, these two psalms that we're going to cover tonight are used by the Jews as, as part of their celebration. Um, it kind of makes you want to break out in that Jewish bread, you know, that, that, that shalal bread, and, and, and just, you know, eat while we, while we hear the word. But we're, we're fresh out of shalal bread today, so we're, we're going to get into God's word now. Um, if anyone here needs a Bible... I would ask that you please raise your hand because we would love for you to follow along with us as we read this psalm. And one of us will get you one. Is anybody here in a Bible? Okay, we have one. Thank you, Richard. And for the rest of you, if you're not already there, please turn with me to, to Psalm 113. I'll wait a little while till we get that Bible for you. But it's Psalm 113. 
Thank you, Richard. All right. Let's pray, let's pray one more time, yeah? Uh, Father and God, Father God, Lord, I just want to thank you again, Father, for this night. I thank you, Father, for your word, God, that um, is a treasure, Father, and that we get to dig into it, Lord, and uh, just discover the the wisdom, the truth, the, the praise, God, that, uh, that you uh, inspired, Father, these men to write about, God. It's all about you, Lord. You are the author and finisher of our faith. We thank you for this love letter that you've written us, Lord. We thank you for this instruction on how to live our life, God, that you've given us. And, Lord, I just pray that you would help us, Father, have a a soft heart, God, to be able to understand what it is your word is telling us today, Lord. And that, Lord, in spite of me, God, that your word would go forth today, God. I thank you, and I love you, and I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so I'm going to go ahead and, and read the psalm, and then we'll kind of break it down a little bit to see what the Lord shows us, okay? So it's Psalm... um, 113. It says, Praise the Lord. Praise, O servant of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. From the rising of the sun to its going down, the Lord's name is to be praised. The Lord is high above all nations. His glory above the heavens. Who is like the Lord our God? Who dwells on high? Who humbles himself to behold the things that are in the heavens and in the earth? He raises the poor out of the dust and lifts the needy out of the ash heap, that he may seat him with princesses, with the princesses of his people. He grants the barren woman a home, like a joyful mother of children. Do you guys all know why it's called the, the Hallelujah, the song? It's an awesome song, isn't it? Right off the bat, right off the bat you see why it's known as a, as a, as a Hallelujah song. Verse 1 says, Praise the Lord, praise those servants of the Lord, praise the name of the Lord. And I don't know about you, but I, I, when I read this over and over and over again, I could feel the awe and the joy of the writer. I can, I can sense what he must have felt as he was writing this. Keep in mind that these two psalms um, are are in in praise of God for um, the release of their forefathers from Egypt. Second Timothy tells us that all Scripture is inspired by God. Right? We all agree with that. So you could imagine that the psalmist, being so f- overfilled, really, with the Holy Spirit, that. It was just like a, a, a reflex to him to write this. It was a, it was a, a, everything about him from his mind, his heart, his hand, his mouth, just started praising the Lord. I, I would imagine that we, when we are overfilled with the Holy Spirit, that is really all we can do is praise the Lord. Many of you that came up here, that's what you did. You praised the Lord in spite of the things that you were praying about, in, sp- in spite of the fact that your hearts were heavy, what I heard was, praise the Lord. Thank you, God. And, and that really should be us all the time. Why? Do I need to ask why? Because we're all sinners. We're all sinners. And if we know the Lord, we've been forgiven of those sins. We've been forgiven of those sins 
and our, and our record has been wiped clean. If that's not enough to praise the Lord, I don't know what is. Psalm 106, 1 says, Praise the Lord, O give thanks to the Lord, for He is good, for His mercy endures forever. His mercy endures forever. Isn't that awesome to know that our sins have been forgiven and He's not going to remind us of them later on? As we tend to do when we forgive someone, but we kind of still remember what they did to us. Not the Lord. It says His mercy endures forever. We should praise and we should give thanks because we've been forgiven. We've been made righteous through Christ. And that's a reason to rejoice. That's a reason to praise God. Psalm 33 one says, Rejoice in the Lord, O you righteous, for praise from the upright is beautiful. Think about that, guys. God created us. We fell. He then came. Excuse my language, but saved our butts. He made us righteous because we're righteous through him. And now our righteous is beautiful to him. So he does it all for us. And then when we just automatically rejoice in what he's done, he gives us credit for it. It's beautiful to him, he says. Isn't that awesome? To think that that's the kind of God that we serve. Praise from the Lord should be brought from, from, from our mouth always. As soon as we think of God, bam. Like that one chef on TV, I forget his name. What does he say? Bam. There you go, Emerald. Bam. That's it. Praise God. Every time we think about God, bam. Praise you, Lord. That's what it says here in verse 2. It says, Blessed be the name of the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. Forevermore. First Chronicles sixteen thirty six and Psalm forty one thirty one both say, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel from everlasting to everlasting. Psalm forty eight eight says, In God we boast all day long. Not in us, not in what we've done, but in God we boast all day long and praise your name forever. And not just forever, but wherever we go, right? To the corner market, we're praising God. Across the world on a mission trip, we're praising God. We should praise Him. As far as the east is to the west, we should praise Him. And that's what we see here uh, in verse 3. It says, from the rising of the sun to its going down. The, Lord na- the Lord's name is to be praised. And in case you're not convinced, God said it himself in, in Malachi, verse 1-11. It says, for, for from the rising of the sun, even to its going down, my name, my name shall be great among the Gentiles, and every place instant shall be offered to my name, and a pure offering for my name shall be great among the nations, says the Lord of hosts. Psalm 29, 2 says, Give unto the Lord the glory due to his name. Worship the Lord in the beauty of his holiness. 
And I, I love what that verse says. Because we must give God the glory due to his name. I'm going to correct myself. We must try to give God the glory of his name. Because even on our best day, we would still be lacking to give him his due. Someone said here, there's nothing that I can say that would be able to praise your name the way it should be praised. And that was so true. There's nothing that we can say, there's nothing that we could do that would give credit to what the Lord has done to us and for us. His reign is supreme, it's above everything. I want you to look at verse 4. It says, The Lord is high above all nations, His glory above the heavens. And you know what this is saying is nothing is higher than God. Not time, not a human, not a nation, not even the heavens. Nothing. Isaiah 66, 1 tells us, Thus says the Lord, heaven is my throne and earth is my footstool. Where is this house that you will build me? And where is this place of my rest? He can't be put in a box. He can't. We try, but he can't. And if you really read this cross-reference, Isaiah 66, 1, literally, it tells you that the heaven and the earth are, are basically pieces of furniture to God. Right? That's what it's saying. We need to see God for how majestic he is. Guys, um, how awesome he really is. I think, you know, sometimes we, we try to bring him down to our level whether that's a, a level of maybe creation, this world, where we look at the world and we say how beautiful it is. Or even down to us, just even down to a personal level. And don't get me wrong. Uh, we serve a God that's a personal God. We can have a relationship with him. I love the way Cecilia prays. I really am blessed by the way she prays. Because, she, I mean, if you were to walk in here, you wouldn't even know if she was praying or if she was simply having a conversation with someone. That's, that's having a personal relationship with God. That's having a conversation with Him. But I think sometimes what we try to do is we try to bring Him down to our level. And He can't be. You know, He's, he's, he's a personal God, but He's also grand. He's, he's exalted. He's uncontainable. He's all-powerful. He's unexplainable. He's God. He's completely sovereign. Completely. I, I love the, the cross references in Isaiah. And I would encourage you to take them down and read them yourself. Starting with Isaiah 40, uh, verse 15. It says, Behold, the nations are as a drop in a bucket and are counted as small dust on scales. Look, he lifts up the isles as very little things. Isaiah 40:17 says, All nations before him are as nothing, and they are counted by him less than nothing and worthless. And what about Isaiah 40:22 when it says, It is he who sits above the circle of the earth. The Bible knew that this, the, the, the world was a globe, huh? a sphere. Interesting. It is he who sits above the circle of the earth, and its inhabitants are like grasshoppers, who stretches out the heavens like a curtain and spreads them out like a tent to dwell in. We're like grasshoppers to the Lord. 
next we, we, we see the psalmist back in, in Psalm 113. He, he asks a, a qualifying question because really there's no answer. There's no answer to what this psalmist asks. He asks in verse 5, Who is like the Lord our God who dwells on high? Who's like him? Who? The answer is nobody, right? Nobody. Nobody's like our God. Chris Tomlin wrote that song that I'm sure all of you are familiar with, How Great Is Our God. And part of the song says, Age to age he stands. Time is in his hands. He's a name above all names. And you are worthy of all praise. How great is our God. Amen. Nobody is like him. Not Mohammed, not Buddha, not Chakra. Or whoever else someone wants to throw in the mix. Nobody is like our God. Exodus 15.11 says, Who is like you, O Lord? Isaiah 40.18 says, To whom then will you liken God? Or what likeness will you compare him to? Isaiah 40.25 says, God, and it's God now asking the question, To whom then will you liken me? Or to whom shall I be equal? Says the Holy One. Talk about asking a qualifying question, huh? And so our answer with our mouths, and, and, and not only with our mouths, but with our lives, should be nobody. Nobody is like you, Lord. How awesome is he? Well, so awesome that in spite of all that I've said, and I haven't said enough, like I said, we can't say enough uh, to be able to describe how awesome God is. But in spite of all that we've read, all the cross-reference, this the psalmist, what he so uh, inspirationally wrote. He cares for us. He, he cares for us. And that's what we see in verse 6. Who humbles himself to behold the things that are in the heavens and in the earth. If you have a, a New King James Bible, Manny would say that if you don't, you're not saved. But I don't, know. I don't really believe that. But if you have a New King James Bible, the title of the, the, the psalm might say the majesty and condescension of God. And as we already looked at, you know, the first five verses of this psalm are all about the majesty of God. They're all about how majestic, how awesome, how, how, how good, powerful he is. But the, the rest of the verses set up beautifully by verse 6. Now dive into the, the condescension of God. Which, we know what that is, right? That's, that's God stepping off his throne and coming into this world to, to dwell among us. To live among us. To teach us. To be that perfect example. And then, to top it off, if that's not enough, to die for us. He cares for us, guys. Knowing all that our that our finite minds can can process about an infinite God, to now take a look at the fact that He cares for mankind, it just blows my mind away. And after finishing the temple, Solomon said the following in Second Chronicles six eighteen. He said, "But will God indeed dwell with men on earth? Behold, heaven and the heaven of heavens cannot contain you. How much less this temple which I have built." To think, Christians, that now as believers, we are now his temple. 
He now lives and dwells among us, inside of us. That's just got to blow our minds, guys. It has to. And for that, we should praise God. For that, like the psalmist, should be praise you, Lord. Every other word, hallelujah to you, God. Hebrews 2.6 says, What is a man that you are mindful of him? Or the son of man that you take care of him? Likewise, Psalm 8.4 says, What is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you visit him? Psalm 144.3 is, is very similar. Lord, what is man that you take knowledge of him or the son of man that you are mindful of him? I mean, you notice that all those three cross-references that I, that I read that ask the question, who is man? Who is man that you are mindful of him? Who is man that you visit? Who is man that you care for for him? And I would ask you the same question, who, who are we? Who are we? I know who I am. I'm, I'm wretched, I'm pitiful, I'm a, I'm a deplorable man. But God, and that's the key, but God, it's all about God. He died for me in spite of who I am. And he died for you in spite of who you are. And for that, we should praise the Lord. You know, having what I imagine would be a pretty good grasp of how good and how awesome the Lord is. The, the prophets of old, and, and especially the angels who were before his throne, praising him all day and all night, tripped out on what God did for us, on, on our salvation, on the fact that he came and he died for us. Because I, I want you to, to turn to First Peter 1.10. Keep your marks on um, Psalm 113 and turn to First Peter 1.10. This is one of the, the passages that we went over in the men's uh, fellowship on Wednesday that just really blew our mind. First Peter chapter 1, verse 10. Peter wrote describing this great salvation. Of this salvation the prophets have inquired and searched carefully, who prophesies of the grace that would come to you, to us. Searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ who was in them was indicating when he testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. To them it was revealed that not to themselves, but to us, to us they were ministering the things which now have been reported to you through those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things which angels desire to link into. We can't understand what God did for us through Jesus Christ unless we get a grip on how awesome he is, how good he is, how merciful, how gracious he is. Even then we still can't but we'll get a little bit closer. Because as we see through this psalm, he's above all. Above all. We can't understand it. We accept it by faith. And I don't know if I speak for you, but I believe it because as soon as I asked Christ to come into my heart, my soul began to battle with my flesh. Something I never had a problem with in the past. It was all about my flesh in the past. But now I'm, 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 I'm asking this prayer, I'm crying, and all of a sudden I, I don't want to do the things that I used to do. 
I don't want to cheat. I don't want to scam. I don't want to do drugs. I don't want to drink. I don't want to cuss. I'm not saying I'm perfect. What I'm saying is I don't have a desire to do those things. My flesh might tempt me. I might get tempted. I, you know, the, the world, the, 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 the enemy might tempt me. But there's just that internal uh, spirit that is living inside of me that just does not want to do those things anymore. So that's what makes it real. That's what makes it real for me. That's what makes it real for you if you have that same experience. So does God deserve praise? Yes, he does. He does. I would say he does. We are nobodies saved by the Almighty. Nobody's saved by the Almighty. Yet being nobodies, the scripture tells us in Luke uh, chapter 2, verse 6 through 7, that are not five sparrows sold for two par- top uh, copper coins, and not one of them is forgotten before God. But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Do not fear, therefore you are of more value than many sparrows. Now for some of you, the hairs on your head are probably easier to count than others. But still, the fact that the hairs on your head are numbered, it's amazing. Praise God. He cares, and that's what we see in verse 7. He raises the poor out of the dust, and he lifts the needy out of the hash. He raises the poor out of the dust and he lifts the needy out of the ash heap. Job, we all know Job 5 um, verse 11 says, He sets on high those who are lowly and those who mourn are lifted to safety. And then in Psalm 136.23 it says, Who remembered us in our lowly state for his mercy endures forever. Verse 8 goes along the same lines. It says that he may sit him with princesses, with the princesses of his people. And I thought of Joseph automatically. You know, I mean, Joseph, he came from pretty good stock, right? But we know what happened to Joseph. He got sold through some jealous brothers. Um, He became a slave. God raised him up, gave him favor. The enemy attacked. He got thrown into jail. But what happened? He ended up being the second to to Pharaoh. He, he sits us with princesses. You know, I, I um, I'm amazed at at uh, the 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 friends that that God has given me. Um, people that I definitely don't deserve to be sitting around, and yet the Lord has allowed me to to um, become friends with them, know them personally, pray for them. And I know that they're praying for me. Genesis 41:41 says, God caused Pharaoh to say to Joseph, See, I have set you over the land of Egypt. The, the all in all cares for us, guys. That's the, the point of, of the, the second half of, of this psalm. He, he cares for the downtrodden. He cares for the oppressed. He cares for his sheep. Again, in Job 36, 7, it says, he, who do, he, he does not withdraw his eyes from the righteous, but they are on the throne with kings, for he has seated them forever, and they are exalted. Again, remember, we're righteous through Christ. It's talking about us. 
So the psalmist concludes his psalm with, with another example of just how God considers us. He considers his children. Because we see in verse 9, it says, He grants the barren woman a home, like a joyful mother of children. And he ends with praise the Lord. Just the way the psalm starts, it ends. And I just thought, wow, the, the, the barren woman who, who, who's crying out, who can have children, through God touching her, all of a sudden becomes a happy mother. All of a sudden becomes a loving, a caring, a nurturing mother. And, and we read about example after example in the Bible of women who were barren. Women like Sarah. Women like Rachel and, and, and Hannah. And I like what the Bible Knowledge Commentary stated. Uh, that to the Israelites, is, this was a mark of God's gracious blessing. We all know that. Not being able to have a, a child, especially back in those days, you were really considered a curse. You really were, they, they, it was just they cast you aside. So when God would touch these women, as he continues to touch women who are barren, um, it's just a sign of how gracious and loving he is to us. So, it's just it's just fitting that that the psalmist um, concludes the psalm with the praise to Lord, praise to the Lord with an hallelujah to the Lord, because it's all about praising the Lord. And you know now when you think about the fact that that this was written um, in in a in a answer to the to the fact that God had released or had given freedom to the Israelites, you can see why the psalmist was just so overwhelmed with with praise for God. So that's a beautiful song. I mean, if you ever feel, if you ever feel down, if you ever feel happy, if you ever feel in the middle, then go to Psalm one thirteen and read it. We all should read it every day. So now, now do me a favor and and and, um, and turn over, or if it's not right next to you, pay, put your attention on Psalm one fourteen. From the, from the majesty of who God is, uh, from, from the incredible truth that, that in spite of his greatness, he loves us, we're now given an example of his love in, in Psalm 114. And, and this psalm, um, like I had mentioned, Spurgeon called it a psalm of Exodus. Um, we're going to see as we go through it that it, it's very, very poetic. It kind of it goes off of what a re- regular psalm is. You know, it, it's poetic. And it showcases God's power and that even the earth, even the ocean, um, and how big it appears to us, um, and the ocean and the fact that we haven't even began to explore its bottom, bowed, bowed, and, and bows to the presence of God. I'm thinking the ocean and the earth were, were like, like, like like a a drop of water to God, like a, like a pile of dirt to Him, and yet we can go somewhere like Yellowstone or Yosemite or the Grand Canyon and just be in awe, and we should be, because and this world is beautiful even in its fallen state, but to think that to God is it's just like 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 we read in that cross reference, it's a drop in the bucket. The title of the psalm really says it all. It's the power of God in his deliverance of Israel. Let's go ahead and read it. 
Psalm 114. It says, When Israel went out of Egypt, the house of Jacob from a people of strange language, Judah became his sanctuary and Israel his dominion. The sea saw it and fled. Jordan turned back. The mountains skipped like rams, the little hills like lambs. What ails you, O sea that you fled? O Jordan that you turned back? O mountains that you skipped like rams? O little hills like lambs? Tremble, O earth, at the presence of the, presence of the Lord, at the presence of, of the God of Jacob, who turned the rock into a pool of water, the flint into a fountain of waters. So you see the, the, the poetic style of that psalm? And like we mentioned, this psalm is making reference to that day, that, that day that God, through his grace, led the children of Israel out of Egypt. Verse 1 says, When Israel went out of Egypt, the house of Jacob from a people of strange language. And obviously this was a, it's a, it's a crucial time. It's a crucial time in history, in the history of the Israelites, and really when you think about it, of the world. God, through, through his perfect plan, at the perfect time, he, he moved to the cries of, of the nation of Israel. And through supernatural events that really could only come through the divine, he freed his people from tyranny that they were under. It says, when Israel went out of Egypt, the house of Jacob from a people of, strong, of strange language. And, and the Isra- Israelites, they went through some, some really, really heavy-duty persecution. You think we go through persecution? They went through some persecution. God was, was, blessing, was blessing them. Even in spite of this persecution, he was adding to them in numbers. And even through opposition, when you really think about it, they were blessed. It's like you should always look at, what it's, what's that saying, the, the cup is half full. Because when you think about it, when the Israelites were, were under this oppression in Egypt, Egypt back then was kind of a, like a leader um, in art in culture, in science. We all know they can build some pretty good buildings, right? So even though they were there, they were being oppressed, they were slaves, God was using this, this, this culture. God was using this, these, these people, these oppressors, to hone the nation of Israel. Because then they would come out. And I'm not saying that God wants us to take the world with us, but he uses the world to teach us, right? He gives us gifts. And he was able to use th- these, these tyrants to hone the, the, the people's gifts. So in essence, it was kind of a, an undisguised blessing, we'll call it. It's just amazing the way God works, though. So the Egyptians, being envious uh, of, the, uh, of the Israelites, they made them work. And they worked. I mean, I, those pyramids, man, they, they might have been designed by the Egyptians, but <laughs> the, the other people built them. So the fact that, that it says that they came out of a, of a people f- from a strange language uh, speaks to the fact that, that because they were, they were envious of the Israelites, because they saw that in spite of everything that they were doing, God was adding to them, God was blessing them. They, were, they, they became jealous of them, so they made them work harder. And, and these poor people suffered because they couldn't understand the, the directions from the Egyptians. 
they, they say that it was almost like babble to them. They were babbling to them. And so when they instructed them to do something, go pick up this brick. Does anybody here speak Spanish? Who doesn't speak Spanish here? Okay, if I said, uh, John, levantese el ladrillo. Yeah, I okay. <laughs> So, exactly. Uh, so I would get a whip and I'd go and whip you. You know, that's, that's what they do. <laughs> you understand the whip, right? That's what they dealt with. You know, so imagine the frustration of these people. Um, they didn't want to get beaten. Who does? But yet they were beaten for not, for not being able to understand the instructions that they were given. So, man, they, they went through some heavy, heavy-duty uh, persecution. But it's awesome because God heard their cry, right? In spite of, of everything, God hears our cry. The, the God that we just discussed, the, the one that the earth and the heavens are like a piece of furniture, he, he remembered the promise, the promise of old that was made to Abraham. And he chose this poor, this, this captive, this helpless nation to, to make a home for him. The God that owns the world, the God that says, the, the, the Bible says that the, the heavens are his throne, chose this nation to be his home. Verse 2 says, Judah became his sanctuary and Israel his dominion. And I just thought, well, from a palace to a dump. You know? From a palace to a dump. Because when you think about it, that's what it was. I don't care the most beautiful place in this world. Hawaii or wherever you want to say it. It's compared to heaven, compared to what he has, what he knows. It's a dump. But when you think about it, this is where the church originated from, right? This nation. It's just amazing the way God works. Now, we talked about the fact that this, this was a, a celebratory um, psalm, celebrating the, the release of the Israelites. And this psalm is in, is in direct response, like we, we already discussed, to the celebration that, that was called an observance in Exodus 12, 41 through 42. If you do me a favor, turn there real quick, because I do want us to read this. It's, 12, it's Exodus chapter 12. We're going to read verses 41 through 42. This is a historical background of, what, of why these psalms were read during Passover or why these psalms were read in celebration. Exodus 12, 41 through 42, it says, And it came to pass at the, at the end of the 430 years, they were in captivity for 430 years on that very same day it came to pass that all the armies of the Lord went out from the land of Egypt it's a night of solemn observance says verse 42 to the Lord for bringing them out of the land of Egypt this is that night of the Lord a solemn observance for all the children of Israel throughout their generation solemn observance twice it says that it, wasn't like a day that they just got off from work and they said oh I'm taking the day off no they were instructed you need to observe this day you need to remember what God has done for you Moses told them in Exodus 13:3, if you just go up a little bit remember this day in which you went out of Egypt out of the house of bondage for by strength of hand the Lord brought you out of this place no leavened bread shall be eaten and just in case, um, 
He thought it wasn't important to remember. Later on in Exodus 22, God himself reminds the nation, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt and out of the house of bondage. The nation of Israel was chosen by God, and that's what we see in Exodus 29, 45 through 46. It says, I will dwell among the children of Israel, and I will be their God, and they shall know that I am the Lord their God, who brought them out of the land of Egypt, that I may dwell among them. I am the Lord their God. So when God chose to respond to to the cry of the nation of Israel, there was nothing, not, not a mountain, not an ocean that that was going to stop him. Nothing. That's what the psalmist is saying. If you turn back to Psalm 114, that's really what we see the psalmist refer to next in, in verses 3 to 4. Verse 3 says, The sea saw it and fled, and Jordan turned back. Verse 4 says, The mountains skipped like rams, the little hills like lambs. You know, when I first read this, I have to be honest. I'm like, what is he talking about? But what it's saying is God has total power. Total power. You know, we go to the ocean, like I mentioned earlier, we go to the Grand Canyon, and we, we're just in awe, right? But they bow to God. Nature bows to God. The ocean, the mountains, this earth, they all bow to God. They buckle. In essence, is what the psalmist is saying. They run, they, they cowered to God. Like little rams. and uh, I've never seen a ram skip or a lamb skip, but I guess they skip. And behind God's power, Moses says in Exodus 14.21, stretched out his hand, it says, over the sea, and the Lord caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind, all that night and made the sea into a dry land and the waters were divided. This is talking about when the nation in Israel crossed. Right? So he, we see that he has total control of the ocean, of the elements of this earth. Later, um, it describes God, God's might because we read in Exodus 58 that it says, And with the blast of your nostrils, the waters were gathered together. The flood stood upright like a heap. The depths congealed in the heart of the sea. Psalm seventy-seven, sixteen says, The waters saw you, O God. The waters saw you, and they were afraid. The depths also trembled. <laughs> God is all-powerful. The, the psalmist is saying, He showed His might that day. He showed His might that day. Jeremiah four twenty-three through 24 says, I beheld the earth, and indeed it was without form and void, and the heavens, they had no light. And I beheld the mountains, and indeed they trembled, and all the hills moved back and forth. It's talking about, again, the elements, this earth, God being in full control of it. All these nations today, even our nation, with our army, with all our defenses, with nuclear weapons, with this, with that, technology, they're nothing to God. Nothing. You see, he's a mountain maker. He's the ocean tamer. In verse 5 and 6, it says, What ails you, O sea, that you fled, O Jordan, that you turned back? 
O mountains that you skip like rams, O little hills like lambs. And I love this. It just to me was curious because it's almost like the psalmist gets into like the sarcastic mood now, you know. It's like, you know, you see, you know, a, a bully and, you know, here comes like a bigger guy, you know, of uh, the brother of the kid they're bullying. All of a sudden they run and, you know, uh, an observer will say, well, what are you running for? Oh, you're running now? What are you afraid of? You kind of get the sense that the psalmist is saying this here. It's almost like saying, well, what are you so afraid of? What ails you, O sea, that you fled, O Jordan, that you turned back? It's awesome because instead of waiting for an answer, that won't come, by the way. In verse 7 through 8, it simply says, tremble then, tremble, earth. Press on, basically, is what it's saying. At the presence of the Lord, at the presence of God of Jacob, who turned the rock into a pool of water, the flint into a fountain of water. And that's obviously talking about when um, he turned water, he, he brought out water from the rock, right? I love the fact that the, the psalmist kind of allows uh, the awe uh, of creation to continue, to marvel at the power of God. Keep running, the psalmist says, bow down. And, you know, I just, it's a short psalm, but I just thought, you know, it's poetic, it's kind of out there, but it's, it's, it's an awesome, it's an awesome psalm. Especially when you couple that with Psalm 113 and, and, and the fact that this is a, a, a celebration of the fact that God released them, that they were giving credit to God for, um, for their freedom. You could see now why the psalmist was exhorting the people to praise the Lord, to, to praise God. And so some of you are probably saying, okay, you, you've said a lot. and you know, Yes, Henry, I understand that Psalm 113 and 114, they're psalms of celebration. I get that. You know, But they're for the ancient Israelites. How does that apply to my life? What does it have to do with me? Well, I mean, to me, it's obvious, guys. Um, God can, has, and will show himself strong for us. I think many of us here, um, he's parted those oceans, right? He's moved those mountains. Neither earth nor ocean nor nature will stand in his way when it comes to his children. And that's what we have to take away uh, from, from this particular psalm. Is just like he did it, for the nation of Israel, he'll do it for you and he'll do it for me. You know, it's been said that if if one of you was the only one on this earth when Jesus came, he would still go to the cross for you. And I believe that. I believe that that, that he'll continue to move those mountains. I can, I, with all my heart, believe that he'll continue To, to dive into those oceans for us, not because of us, but because of his glory. And so that's what you take away. You take away the fact that he would do this for you and he will do it for you and he has done it for you. And that should cause us to praise his name. In spite of our issues, in spite of our problems, in spite of our pain, God is bigger than all that stuff. And that should cause us to praise his name. Yes, it's, it's cool that these, these Israelites have 
you know, the Psalms and they have Exodus and, and they have all these Old Testament scriptures that they can look back at and say, you see, it's talking about us. It's kind of cool, I must admit. But yet we have the whole Bible. We have the whole Bible. We have the Old Testament and the New Testament that is talking about us. And so we can then turn, like they turn in celebration, um, to remember the things that God has done for us, to to look um, with praise to the things that he, he's going to do for us. And just to remind ourselves that we're a... We're, uh, we're a work in progress. The, the men's group on Wednesdays is called under construction. Yeah, we're under construction because you know we we got some work to do. Um, but more than that, we're under construction under the master builder. And and for that we should we should praise God. So I, I just want to thank you for your patience. Uh, again, I know I'm not Manny, um, but um, God's word I think still went forth. I, I pray that these psalms um, bless you, especially 113. Like I said, you go back to that psalm over and over and over again and read it. Read it in those nights that that are dark. You know, Read it in those nights when that pain is just overbearing. Read it in those nights when you get that phone call um, from your daughter or your, or your son about a test. Read it. Praise God, for he deserves to be praised. Amen? All right, how about that dinner? All right, let's pray. <laughs> Heavenly Father, Lord God, I, God, I thank you, Father, that in spite of me, God, your word just continues to go forth. Lord, you tell us that your word does not return void, and I thank you and I praise you for that, God. And in light of these psalms, Lord, and I know that, that they're psalms in, in celebration of something that happened so many years ago, but, fa- Father, we recognize that, that it's because of this time in history, Lord, that we can be here today to praise you. And at the same time, God, we know, Lord, that you are going to give us, and you have already, those exodus in our life, Lord. In fact, Father, you allowed us to exit that life that we once knew, that, that pit that we were once in, Lord. You allowed us to exit. So we thank you and we praise you for that. And we thank you for the many mountains and the many oceans, God that you're going to travail for us, Lord. And we give you all the glory and all the honor. I just want to lift up your beautiful people to you, Father. Pray that you bless them, that you guide them, that you um, just put your hand of peace, Father, with anything they might be dealing with, God, and that you give us all traveling mercies as we go home. We love you. We thank you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.